Welcome to Step Into Magic, your weekly online radio show on how to develop your psychic ability, deepen your spirituality, and find your own true purpose. Presented by acclaimed medical intuitive Josephine Lang. This broadcast is part of Wisdom and Intuition Network. I'm Cindy Silva. I'm filling in for the wonderful Tony Taylor, who's usually your host, but he's visiting his parents in England for the holidays. So hello, Tony. I know you'll be listening to the replay, so I'm going to do my best to fill your shoes. It's such an honor that uh, Josephine has asked me to be here tonight to support this program and to speak about the ley lines and power centers and how relating energetically with our planet really serves all of us. So again, our topic is on the ley lines and power centers, relating energetically with our planet. And for anyone new to our show, Josephine has been a clairvoyant healer for more than 25 years. During that time, she's helped thousands of people from around the world to heal from hard-to-diagnose and chronic health issues. She's also been a teacher and a spiritual mentor for hundreds of people who treasure her insights, courage, and love. Thank you so very much, Cindy. That was a wonderful introduction, and I really appreciate it. And um, yes, indeed, filling in for Tony is wonderful. We are so grateful to you. It's really, you know, a a task that not many can do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it'll go great. I'm planning on having fun, and I know when I listen and tune into your program, you always have so much fun together. So that is the objective, is is to have fun. It is, and that is our main goal. (laughs) Have a lovely good time. And I'd like to extend a warm welcome to all of our listeners from around the world. You know, I keep a a map of the world just below the window that I look out when I do this show. I look out at a beautiful mountain, Cerro San Luis here in San Luis Obispo, part of the Seven Sisters, which talk about some power centers. Those volcanic sisters, all seven of them came up, you know, ages ago, and, and they're just so beautiful, and it creates this wonderful healing bowl of energy here in San Luis Obispo. That you can, It's really palpable. You can really feel how people come here and they do their healing work, often just while they're at the university locally, and then they move on with their lives. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful spot. But I also have a map of the world just below my, my window so that I can, you know, cast my heart out to all of you because I'm so very, very grateful uh, this, during this past month, we've had lots of listeners from Australia and New Zealand and the Philippines and South Africa and also Serbia, plus many other countries around the world. And I'd also really like to extend my appreciation and welcome to all of our listeners across North and South America. It's just such a pleasure to have you joining us for these interesting and truly wonderful topics. So this week, we're going to be delving just a little deeper into the subtle energies of nature And we'll be taking a look at how nature's energies can affect and bring really positive change to our lives. We're going to be exploring rainmaking and dowsing. And we'll touch on the topic of scrying and letting nature's wisdom come to us. And then we're also going to, you know, explore a little bit with taking note of those wonderful standing stones of Europe and the monumental peaks and sacred sites that ancient peoples and contemporary folks alike are all drawn to from around the world, and we'll explore a little bit with these power centers and learn about ley lines and underground waterways and sacred groves and reflecting pools. So, you know, put on your hair nets because we're going to go for a fun little ride around the world. 
And then we're also going to talk just a little bit about Feng Shui, that art of placement, and about our interconnectedness with the energies of the natural world. But before I go into this topic any further, I always like to begin our show with our spiritual agreement, and I ask that you all make it with me now, if you will, and this was a gift from my friend and mentor and beautiful teacher, Jana Massey. So please join me, and it goes like this. Together, we acknowledge that everything that we think, that we say, and that we do at this time will be of the highest good. And together we ask for truth, the understanding of that truth, and the wisdom to use it in our lives. Can you all agree? I do. Thank you, Cindy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I know this is typically the time when Tony shares some of the gratitude emails that you've received. Would you like me to share a couple notes that have come in since the last show? Thank you so very much. That would be great. Yeah. The beautiful Anna has sent a message in, and it's such an enthusiastic message. I'd love to read this one. So, I can't get yesterday's program out of my head. You're so good. I love (laughs) that the program stays with me and makes me feel close to you. Isn't that sweet? Oh, Anna, thank you so much. Oh, really, really appreciate you so much in my life. It's just great. Yeah. She has more to say, too. She says, it's just outstanding, Josephine. What a difference you're making where people think of you. uh, Let me see what to say here. Where people think of what you have said all week long and live differently because of you. Oh, wow. That is a powerful, powerful feedback. Yes, and thank you so much, and thanks for reading it, Cindy. That's great. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. that's a nice thing to think about. We do have effect. You know, our lives are here. We come, and we can have effect around the world if if we are called to that. Not everybody is, you know, and just a few of us have the gift of gab and <laughs> do something like have a radio show. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, and just incredible what you do to prepare for your shows and just love all the topics and how organized you are. And I know that Rose does too in Riverside. She sent a note just really showing her appreciation for the fun that you bring into people's lives and the way you do your program. Also, Sandy and Scottsdale. Wonderful. Yes. Yes, Sandy was saying she loves the show, very appreciative of the information that both you and Tony give for references. Oh, it's yeah. Really um, sharing just an example of the Cleve Baxter videos and saying how much your program reinforces how we're all connected and she looks forward to each and every program and appreciates all the time and information that you give to everybody. Oh, thank you, Sandy, and thank you, Rose. That's great. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, how fun. So those are a couple that um, I'll share now, and there will be more later, but I'll let you continue on with the program because I know you have a lot to share on our topic today. Thank you. And I can remember as a child being absolutely thrilled by the storm and the rain. I grew up next to some very big Australian eucalyptus trees. They were growing in the Los Angeles area where I grew up, near the little lake I grew up on. And those trees would reach 80 to 120 feet in height. And in a big windstorm, they would start to blow around. And 
and they were straight and tall, and they would just move together. And I can remember, you know, putting on a bathing suit or something and running out with my bare legs in the cold wind and feeling the spiky drops of the water cold hitting my skin and then maybe lying down on the lawn and just letting all of that, or on the grass, and just letting all of that rain just pelt my body. And it was such a thrilling and exciting thing to do. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever felt more alive than when I have really just sunk into that storm energy. And perhaps you could share our next slide, Cindy, if you wouldn't mind. This is one of my very, very favorite quotes, and it goes, Climb the mountains and get their good tidings. Nature's peace will flow into you as sunshine flows into trees. The winds will blow their own freshness into you and the storms their energy, while cares drop off like autumn leaves. And that, of course, is the amazing John Muir, who did so much beautiful work in our nation for opening up National parks beginning to start that trend in our country, which was such a beautiful thing to do. And then about, oh gosh, maybe 30, 40 years ago, something like that, I can't remember now, but it was when I had one of my big injuries, and somehow I got my hands on a Native American songbook, and I was fascinated by it. It had these wonderful songs like, Hey, 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 ho. Hey, 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 ho. And I thought, whoa, these are just captivating. And there was one of them that was about bringing rain. And so I thought, gosh, that's kind of exciting. Maybe I'll try it. And so I went out on a on a stormy midday when when the wind was blowing and the clouds were overcome. You know, because it's good when you're just a beginner to work with the energy to help to build it. And um, so I went ahead and I went outside and I barefoot on the dirt. And I just sang this little song, and within an hour it was raining. Now, of course, you could you know be skeptical and say, well, Josephine, it was going to rain anyway. <laughs> but why not go ahead and act as if we can and work in harmony with the clouds? You know, you wouldn't want to try that on a really dry, sunny day, though I have known of people who've been very successful at that sort of thing. In fact, there's a really wonderful story that Greg Braden tells about a friend of his who was a First Nations person who went out to do a rain dance, and he said, oh, gosh, can I come along? And he said, sure. And they went on a hike for about three miles out into the desert, and pretty soon they came to a circle of stones. And his friend took off his shoes and stepped inside, and then he closed his eyes and he just stood there. And Greg thought, you know, I wonder when this rain dance is going to start and what he's going to do. And after maybe five seven minutes or something, his friend opened his eyes and stepped out of the circle and put his shoes back on and said, let's go get a hamburger. And Greg said, well, wait a minute, what happened there? You know, what did you do? And he said, well, I just did a rain uh, calling, a calling of the rain. And he said, well, what did, how did you do that exactly? And he said, well, I just imagined that my feet were standing in cold puddles, puddles and I imagined that the rain was striking my skin and I could feel it wetting my hair and and drenching my clothes, and I could hear the wind howling around my body and moving me, and I could feel the storm as it grew and raised its energy, and then I could feel the water just coming all around and flooding this whole area with the raindrops. And I thought, wow, that's really wonderful. And of course, you know, we can, we can, we can act as if we can and then allow something like this to come to us you know, 
we have the possibility for an El Nino year here in California. And the kahunas, the wise traditional elders of the Polynesian culture from Hawaii, what would happen in those uh, situations is there would be a child, as often is the case, who had a propensity towards spiritual leanings, and that child would be given to the wise medicine men of the community. And uh, in the case of the kahunas, the children that were devoted to the the sacred practices of, of tending for the energy and medicine of the tribe were taught to not have any doubt their whole life long because doubt is the great destroyer of our psychic ability and our, our uh, ability to call the weather. And the kahunas were known for being able to do just exactly that. Not only could they see in their mind's eye the approach of a distant warring tribe, but they could also call a storm to greet that tribe and scatter them and send them back to their own home before they even touched shore. So that's some of the ideas that we're working here with. We we do share the same consciousness with the universe, and if we allow ourselves to give our inner skeptic a break, we can step forward and claim our true power in harmony with the energies of the earth. And so one of the things that I always do when I do a rain dance or a rain song is that I always ask if it's in accordance with the highest good or and for this or something better because I do trust nature's wisdom and I feel that she knows a heck of a lot more than I do. But I can also tap into part of that consciousness and align with it. So now, if you'll indulge me, I'd love to sing a little song that one of my dearest friends taught me last year and I just think it's so beautiful. And it goes like this. Let the water rise up and fall down upon the earth here. Let the water rise up and fall down upon the earth here. Let the water rise up and fall down upon the earth here. Come rain, come rain, come rain, come rain. And then it repeats. Let the water rise up and fall down upon the earth here. Isn't that a beautiful song? And you can just sing it while you're hiking along and feel it and know it and allow it to really focus that energy on rain, yay, rain making. (laughs) Mm, It is beautiful. It's a rain mantra. It's a rain mantra. (laughs) Yes, it absolutely (laughs) is. (laughs) I have to tell you, when you were sharing about they were teaching the youth that doubt is the one destroyer of psychic ability it's really no coincidence that you asked me to help you support you today on this call because that is the one area that does come up for me because as I'm expanding and consciousness and my intuitive capacity is expanding and deepening and widening the, the doubt is the one thing that shows up for me as the obstacle so I'm truly grateful that you brought it up uh, here and that um I can put it in perspective and make use of what you're sharing tonight, Josephine. Oh, thank you, and that's wonderful. Well, you know, really, our thoughts are so important. I mean, we all know that what we really believe is true for us. You know, it's the, is the glass half empty or is the glass half mm-hmm. full? And so if we believe that we can step into harmony with the rhythms of nature and call the rain, then we can. 
And yeah. I've had the wonderful experience of doing it on a number of occasions. And it is, uh, it, and then that builds our confidence. So it's a nice little thing to practice. Yeah. And then, go ahead. Once somebody told me that doubt is an intention. It is an intention. Yes, absolutely. And so, moving that, setting that skeptic aside, just inviting it to take a little sidestep, <laughs> is a good idea when we're stepping into these kind of realms. Yeah. So about, oh gosh, I think it was four years ago, there, PBS aired a wonderful uh, video a year long, uh, I mean an hour long, that, that was called Next Year Country. And it was about um, these, this uh, northeastern Montana had been experiencing a really huge drought. And of course, the farmers there, you know, big droughts like that can really make or break a family. And so three families got together and they hired a rainmaker, a man named Matt Ryan from Mount Shasta. And this happened in 2000 and 2001, that winter. And he came and they showed him laying out all these big pipes and conduits and, you know, out in the middle of these vast plains and, and sort of aligning them with the, you know, energies of the soil around. And the families were like, I don't know what he's doing, but we paid an awful lot of money and we've got, you know, this is either, you know, either this is going to pay off and we're going to get a big harvest and a lot of abundant grain or not. And sure enough, that winter, that northeastern corner of Montana where he had done his work had really heavy rains and the rest of the state didn't have so much. So that was just a really interesting thing about how we really can work with these energies and and it was, you know, fully acknowledged with our, you know, public broadcasting system. So that was really great. And then of course, uh the you know, inimitable Shirley MacLaine, so beautiful with her book Out on a Limb. She speaks about her travels and about meeting shamans in South America that were doing various changings of the weather, various callings of the rain or callings for the rain to stop as the case may be. And then another local-ish favorite of mine is Vicki Noble with her book Shakti Woman, and she also speaks about it. And it was after I read that book, uh, probably in 1990 or something, that I thought, you know what, I'm going to just go ahead and give this a try. And and it was really uh, a wonderful experience for me to realize that we can step into harmony with nature and, and work with her. And of course, I come from a family of uh, you know folks who had psychic abilities on both sides. And on my mother's side, my maternal grandfather was a water witcher, and you know, water witch, water witcher. And what he would do is he would walk around with a stick and a forked stick, and he liked to use a willow, and he would hold the the two ends and point the one end, you know, because it's a it's a Y-shaped stick. So he would put his hands on the upper part of the Y and then have the straight part of the Y poking out in front of him. And then he'd walk around on the farms, on the area, and he was the local dowser. And he would find water for where to dig the well. And you wanted to do that because then you didn't have to dig a well so deeply. And you could get good access to springs and all kinds of good sources of water for their farming that they did. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, I've traveled back into the Midwest and been greeted, you know, at the uh, airport in Omaha, and one of my cousins, she said, oh, what do you do, you know, and I said, well, I'm a medical intuitive, I do readings for people about their health and healing, and she said, well, I wouldn't say that around here, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I won't, you know, And but she's my cousin, so I felt free to share, and um, it's, so there's, you know, a certain amount of caution around uh, psychic ability, it's just part of our cultural upbringing that it can be dangerous or bad, and I think that's because it really allows us all a 
uh, our own personal power when we really step in and listen for what's ours and right for us to do, then we're not so easily controlled by others. And um, so she, you know, there's with reason for why people have, you know, their prejudices against psychic ability. But I thought it was very interesting that water witching and dowsing on the farm was a very acceptable psychic skill. And so I just love that little piece of history on my mother's side coming down the line as these great, as a, my grandfather was such a great dowser. And then not too long ago in my local women's group, we had some fun exploring with uh, some little dowsing rods that you make out of, uh, you can make them out of coat hangers, a sturdy coat hanger, and you make two of them and you hold one in each hand and they're L-shaped, the shorter part of the L in the hand and the longer part sort of allowed free to swing. And all of us gals walked around on this vacant lot near this abandoned building and all of our little uh, dowsing rods would just swing in and cross as we would walk over water pipes. And we could double-check because we could see that there were places where the water went into the building. And we didn't see that at first. We saw that the the uh, dowsing rods were swinging. And then we got confirmation by seeing where the pipes came into the building. So it was really kind of a fun thing to do. So I encourage you to do that if you feel inclined to just go ahead and explore a little bit with that. And then another thing that we happened to do that particular time in the women's group and then others, you know, have explored with this as well, many others. It's called geomancy, G-E-O-M-A-N-C-Y. And that's where you read the lay of the land. It's like an earth divination where you might interpret the markings on the ground or the patterns that are formed. And this is the same thing that we do when we're doing crystal gazing, like the reader of a crystal ball. They're looking at the inclusions and the rainbows and the little marks and things that they see in there, and they use their soft vision and they just allow images and things to appear, to appear to them. And it's the same thing that we do when we do scrying. And I had a wonderful experience with scrying. I've done it many times. We have a little dark pool in our backyard. It's an old bathtub that's you know been completely covered over with algae on the inside, a thin layer of algae, so it's very dark inside. And we have some fish in there and some plants and things. And it's a lovely little scrying pond to just go out and look because it's, it's in the shadows of the trees and so... It looks dark, and you can't quite see what's in the water, and that helps too. You kind of get it allows your psychic vision to just sort of rise up and and experience what whatever you might whatever might appear before your consciousness. And so one day Frank and I were out driving around. I said, you know, I'd really like to see Fern Spring, and you know, Yosemite is so massive with its structures. You know, there's El Capitan and Clouds Rest and Half Dome and these dramatic, gigantic, upthrusted, rocky formations. Very yang, you know, very energetic and, and out there in the world. And then here at the base of El Capitan, right underneath the entrance to the south entrance to the Yosemite Park, is this beautiful little spring. It's, you know, only four or five feet across. It's just so demure and humble. And it's very yin. It's got that real feminine, receptive energy to it. And this little spring comes down, the water that percolates up through that, that spring into that little spring box is goes through about 3,000 feet of you know solid granite and broken rock. And, and here it is, this little shady little spot, very dark and reflective with tree limbs sort of hanging a little bit over, over above it and, and little, you know, the, the little creek that leaves it that goes on down to the Merced River. And as I was looking at it, you could see that 
the spring is about two to three inches deep and in that it has these little bubbles coming up as the water is rising up into the little spring box there. It's not really a box. It's just sort of a little rounded hole in the ground. And as I was gazing into Fern Spring, I just asked, you know, do you have a message for me? Which is one of my favorite things to ask when I'm out in nature. It was a question that I learned from my mentor and teacher, Jana. And the I heard very clearly in my mind's ears, drink me, you know, and I thought, really? You know, so you hear so many cautions about drinking water nowadays. It's one of the great crimes of modern society is that, you know, with cattle grazing and things, we just can't be safe to drink water from springs and waterways like people could just 50 or, or 100 years ago. And so I thought, really? Can I? And I thought, well, all right then. And so I just bent down and took a big double handful of water. And, oh, my gosh, the flavor of that water was just incredible. I mean, it tasted so delicious, like ice and rock combined. And I'm sure it was just rich with minerals and just wonderful. And as I took that drink, then the next thing that I heard was this little uh, phrase popped into my head that said, you are water dancing. And I thought, you know, that's really true. I mean, we're almost like 72% or more percent of water. And here we are on the earth dancing around, you know, and I kind of saw this little image of us dancing on the surface of the globe, you know. And then the, the boughs that were reaching overhead about five or six, seven, ten feet above the, the, the little spring, there was a lot of condensation in the air, and they were dropping these little tiny drops onto the surface of the pool, this little drip, 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 drip. And the rings that would come out from those drops, you know, circulating out from each drop, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so incredible, these drips, you know, making these rings. And I heard in my mind, you know, we do have effect in the world. What we do has effect, and so we want to be mindful that we have the same kind of rings that emanate out from us and so whatever we do in the world, whatever we think and whatever we say, we want to just be mindful of what we, what effect we are causing in the world. And then those little bubbles coming up from the base of the spring, I was suddenly reminded of some of the Vedic texts from the Hinduism that speak of how the ground base, the fundamental consciousness of everything that these little bubbles of information and energy percolate up out of that ground space of consciousness. And I thought, oh, wow, that's right. The, that, that massive, beautiful consciousness of everything is available and accessible to all of us. And, you know, these just these wonderful insights just kept coming and coming. And then the another one was that, you know, still water, like Fern Spring, was is very yin and Moving water, like tumbling rapids and things, is very yang, very full of energy. And we have both of that kind of water in us, in our bodies, all the time. The moving water of our blood moving through our heart and pumping, and the more still water of the lymph or the synovial fluids or the vitreous humor of the eyes. I thought, my goodness, this is so great. We have this perfect example of this balance of yin and yang all at the same time. And then the last little thing was that there was this little tiny waterfall just at the edge of this little spring hole that was that somebody had placed some lovely little rocks right there and that they tumbled down a little 
you know, 12 inch tall waterfall to go ahead and become the creek that headed just um, under the way to go to the Merced River. And as I listened to the water spilling over from the creek into the little, uh, from the uh, fern spring into the little creek, it sounded like love, 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 love. I thought, oh my gosh, this is just too great. You know, it's all about love. And so there we are. So <laughs> I just had such a wonderful, remarkable experience there. I'll, I'll just never forget it. And Cindy, maybe you can show our next slide because I think Peace Pilgrim really summed it up when she said, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, seek it in reflective silence out in nature. And uh, I really have found that to be true in my life. Mm, I recall one of the first times I met you, uh, it was at a class you were teaching on talking with plants or communing with plants. Oh, yes. And yes. I remember receiving a message from a bottle tree. Oh, yeah. I remember that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was so surprised, too. It was yes. so much easier than I thought to receive it is the easy. message then. Yeah. Writing it down and sharing it with others, and if having everybody really confirm that it felt right and it felt right to me was such a confidence booster in my ability to communicate with uh, other species. And yeah, it's always been something I'm, in, I'm interested in. Yes, isn't it great? It's such a wonderful thing, and we really can commune. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, that was just my thoughts, you know. Well, yes, of course, it is your thoughts. They are part They are part of a group consciousness. But it's also your thoughts coming through the color of fern spring or bottle brush tree or whatever it is. They are colored with that consciousness as well. And the further we get into this, the more and more we practice. Of course, practice makes us better at everything, whether it's piano or mathematics or psychic ability communication with uh, other species. The more we practice, the deeper we get. And I, I can always tell when we start to really reach in there. And I kind of remember this about your message from the bottle tree, was that we get a little bit surprised by what we hear. It's like slightly different from our own thoughts. And we think, oh, where did that come from? Like what I <laughs> experience with Fern Spring, you know. It's like, wow, that's some really interesting stuff that I, I don't think I would have thought of. Yeah, it's so true because I didn't even know what a bottle tree was. It was lucky that uh, you and Frank both have a background in horticulture, and you knew exactly what kind of tree it was. And yeah. the bottle tree has a sense of humor because it, the message that came through was message in a bottle, and then I saw in my mind's eye <laughs> myself picking up a bottle that had washed up on the shore of the beach, and there was a message in it, and it was just so perfect and playful and fun and it was obviously speaking to me in a way that I could comprehend it through the symbology so you know it just shows how symbiotic we are in our relationship to nature it it knows exactly our language it, even if you know we don't know we speak that language yet it knows that symbolic language and can teach it to us and anyway it was really such an opening and I appreciate it so much Oh, you're welcome, and that that was so great. <laughs> I'm so glad you got that wonderful message. So, yes, um, I always remember it. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, are um, these kind of taking up off of where we left off with Fern Spring there, and that 
lovely little creek. There are also little creeks that are underground, little underground waterways that are like streams. And these little underground waterways will sometimes move along what are known as ley lines. And ley lines are these uh, areas where there is magnetic energy that can be detected. And when ley lines and underground waterways move together, they always the ley lines are always a straight line, and the waterways will often follow a ley line. Where they begin and where they end are often power centers. And power centers can be thing, places like a sacred grove that where people have gathered throughout all time, or the scrying ponds, or various other gathering places. Later in our history, you know, the cathedrals were often built on these power centers, in, especially throughout Europe. And where they are, these power centers are like fields of energies, and they are earth energies, and they can really affect our consciousness. They can, and we can teach ourselves to be sensitive to these earth energies, like you were just talking about with the communing in the class. And it does help to sometimes have a group to do it with, because you know there is strength in numbers, and we do gain a reassurance, and it's wonderful to share, and then we gain a little bit in confidence, and it's really nice. And um, but when we're out working with these earth energies and feeling them, we really can feel their effect. And they're kind of like a crystal um, or like water. We know about water being able to hold consciousness and, and emotion. And these ley lines, these uh, I mean these power centers, can also hold our feelings and our emotions, just like a battery would or like a computer disc holds a program. And they've been found to be able to help us heal ourselves and to discover our purpose and to enrich our spiritual connections and to enhance our psychic ability. So it's a really wonderful thing to visit these uh, power centers. And there are a number of them around our you know, beautiful planet. And um, some that come to mind, you know, Tony wrote that beautiful book called The Sacred Sites Bible. And I'm, I know he's missing being here for this show because I think this is one of his very favorites because the topic is so near and dear to his heart. But we're so grateful, Cindy, for you stepping up. <laughs> and one of the sites, Glastonbury Tor, is often thought to be the site of Avalon. You know, you probably remember the book, The, the Mists of Av- Avalon, uh, Marion Zimmer Bradley. And um, there's this, it's in, this is a, a hill that is sort of sculpted that rises up out of the plains of Somerset. And way back in the time of when they consider it to be, you know, like around the time the, of the legendary King Arthur, those uh, plains, those Somerset plains, were underwater. And so the tor, the Glastonbury tor, this hill with this now has a structure on top of it that's quite ancient, but I think it was originally built just as a hill. It would be standing up out of the 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 shallows like an island, and that area gathers a lot of mists, and so that wonderful myth about the uh, the nature of Avalon being the source of the fairy kingdom and all of that. It's a wonderful uh, sacred site and a beautiful place to to go if you ever get the chance. I've not been there, but I would love to go sometime. And there's another mound that's known as Silbury Hill. It's also in England. It's one of my very favorites. And this one was originally round on the top. It was more in more recent ancient history. It was flattened off on the top, probably to hold a structure of some sort. But this was built in prehistoric times out of chalk. And this is in the Avery area. And it's over 100 feet tall, and it covers like a five-acre area of land. And they they say that it would have taken 
you know, 18 million hours for people to build this thing. And it's circular, and it was built, you know, 5,000 years ago. It's a beautiful sacred site. And then there's also the henges. You know, the henges are those prehistoric monuments that consist of circles of stones or have wooden uprights. And there's one that I just really, uh, it's a very fond place in my heart. It's called Arbor Low. It's in Derbyshire in England. And it has radiating dowsing lines or ley lines that can be detectable by dowsers. And these radiating lines are nearly identical to the degrees of a circle. You know, a circle is 45, then 90 degrees, then 135, and 120, and, you know, on and on up to 360 degrees. And the ley lines in Arbor Low line up exactly with those uh, percentages. So it's like the radiating, you know, uh, lines of the, when you're cutting a pie, you know. <laughs> it's so great. And then all of those lines, of course, lead to other sites from prehistoric times, from the ancient times, um, and even some current villages that are still on those sites. So the those ley lines start in the center of Arbor Low, and then they radiate out and go to other sacred sites around the countryside. And there's a recent uh, project that I came across called the Seattle Ley Line Project, where someone has mapped all of the straight electroma- electromagnetic energy lines of the Seattle area. And they all have a beginning and an ending, like I said. And, and there's other energies, too, like Sedona, Arizona, with its beautiful Bell Rock and Cathedral Rock and Boynton Canyon. And Frank and I went there some years back to visit. And that is now the most visited in the United States, the most visited New Age site. And it, those vortexes, they're not so much magnetism, though there is a measurable residue of magnetism there. But they kind of have this sort of a swirly feeling to them. You know, a vortex is is something that, um, like the water going down a drain, you know, it has a sort of a swirling funnel shape. And, and um, in this case, the energy is rising up from the surface. And when we were walking around in Sedona, you'd be just hiking along on the trail, and all of a sudden you'd kind of feel a little like an energy almost slightly pushing you to the side. And it was like, oh, I think we're at the vortex. This must be the spot, you know. This warm, wholesome program that you have and a great community. But I do have that next slide up for you, Josephine. Oh, great. Yes, this is a Rumi quote. It's one of my favorites. Listen, make a way for yourself inside yourself. And that's what happens when we go, when we do connect with these earth energies. We are allowing ourselves to listen to them and to make way for them inside ourselves. So I'll just mention a couple more of these, you know, really modern mysteries from ancient times because there's Karnak in France, which has, I think, 13 major lines of these gigantic stones, and it's over 2,500 feet of stones. And there's a lot of these sites in throughout Europe where these, you know, they're like 50-ton stones. How do you move a 50-ton stone, you know, 5,000 or 7,000 years ago with no roads? And they found a lot of them, like, for instance, the ones that are in Stonehenge, those stones came from Wales. So they didn't just come from a local quarry somewhere. They came tremendous distances. And like you were saying, Cindy, there's often an astronomical arrangement uh, to correspond with the solstices and equinoxes, which is certainly the case at Stonehenge. And then also, as was the case with um, with some of these sites, that they also align with the cross-quarter holidays as well, the ones that are right in between, like I was speaking about Arbor Low with its radiating dowsing lines. You know, So they line up with all of these significant events that happen astronomically. And so people were paying a lot of attention over a long period of time, not only to the ley lines in the earth, but also to what the stars were doing overhead. 
So there's a lot that's gone on in the distant past that, that we don't know hardly anything about. And that's kind of fun to have those mysteries laying there for us to, you know, perhaps uncover. And another one that did the astronomical alignment is that uh, Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, a beautiful site and very large and a gigantic kiva in that one where the, the roof is no longer there, but you can see the depression that the people, the large depression that the people had dug down into the earth for a place to go for meditation and for looking within. And uh, then, of course, there's Mount Shasta, you know, here in California where the harmonic convergence happened in 1987 with the intention to usher in a new age of world peace and um, and healing and and the mystical experiences happen to us when we go to these places like when I went to Little Fern Spring and of course Mount Shasta was sacred to the First Nations peoples for at least 9,000 years that we know of before the recent populations moved into the area so a very um, highly regarded spiritual site for a long long period of time and you know how we have our chakra systems in our body? Well, there's also a belief that there are chakras in the earth that correspond to major, that there's one on every um, major continent. And so I think that Mount Shasta is the first one in North America. And then we move to the second chakra. The, that's Mount Shasta is the root chakra at the base of the, what would be, be the equivalent of the base of our spine. And then the, the chakra that's at the sacrum is considered to be Lake Titicaca in South America. And then at the solar plexus or the power center at the navel is what was currently known or formerly known as Ayers Rock, Uluru Kata Juta in Australia. And then at the heart center, Glastonbury in Europe, Glastonbury Tor in Europe. And then the throat center, is the Great Pyramid of Egypt uh, in Africa. And then the third eye is Ku Emelek Fla from Iran, uh, representing Eurasia. And then the crown is Mount Kailas in Tibet in Asia. So that's uh, just an interesting idea to sort of play around with, that there are these power centers that not only do we have these in our own bodies, but they are also around the world, around the globe, Kind of that idea of the microcosm, macrocosm, as above, so below. What we have within us is also present outside of us, and and not only outside of us on a grand scale, like a, like our Earth planet scale, but also probably in a universal scale, and as well on a microcosmic scale, down into the little tiny cells of our bodies. So it's a really interesting thought, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, indeed. I like that perspective very much. Also, for those that are new to the program, welcome. It's wonderful to have you listening, and we'd love to invite you to visit Josephine's website, stepintomagic.com. There you can sign up for her email and also listen to all the replays. So there are plenty of replays and wonderful programs just like this in the archive that you can tune into at any time, and uh, Josephine loves feedback, as you can see from the many comments that come pouring in from around the world. So please do leave a comment if you have set by the website and uh, sampled some of her programs. And I know you have more that you want to cover, Josephine, so I'll turn it back over to you. And um, you can guide me as to which slide you'd like to have next. 
Okay. Well, I think why don't we put up the Feng Shui slide next? And okay. so not only, you know, do we have energies around the world, but we also have energies around our own homes. And this is just a little tiny basic quick little peek into Feng Shui. It's, of course, a whole life study in itself. And um, But the idea here is that you lay this map on top of your home, where your home is, and um, you can orient the various aspects of your life and in your home in accordance with the, the different um, places on the map. So you can see at the bottom of this fi- this figure, there's the color black, and it's the career area. Now, interestingly enough, my husband makes beautiful black glass doors, and that is a big part of his career. And he has one right at our front door, which is right there. So we've got the right color going there. And then in our house, just to the left, you'll see the knowledge area where the color blue is. And that just happens to be where our office is, where we do all of our work. And then at the family ancestors, the health and green area, that's where our uh, kind of near where our kitchen area is and our service porch. And we've got some lovely little things in there, some antiques and dressers and things from our family. And then coming up around to the abundance area, that's where our kitchen is. It just was so surprising to me when we laid this map onto our house to kind of see where things lined up. And then fame and reputation, that's in the backyard where the garden is, where I get to go out and explore with nature. And then our bedroom, our master bedroom, just happens to be over there by the marriage and relationship part of the map. And then the children creativity area is where we have a closet. So Frank and I don't have any children. So, But we do have a lot of creativity that happens in, our, in that kind of area of the bedroom. It's, a, it's sort of a place where we have a little sitting area. And then um, coming around back to the front where helpful people and travel are, that's where my little sanctuary is, where I do my work as a medical intuitive. And so I just think it was just so astounding to me because I don't know that much about Feng Shui, but when I got this little map, I thought, well, looky there, you know, (laughs) there it all is. And uh, so I would like to encourage you as for a homework assignment this week, I always like to give a little homework assignment, to just go ahead and research a little bit of the feng shui of your own living space and, and see how how you you know like it and, and if there's any changes you want to make. Um, and there's a way more to it than I've just discussed here. I mean, it's there's also how the home sits on the land and if there's any waterways nearby and how they flow in relationship to the front door and the way, way the house faces and the arrangement of the windows and not having too much energy flow through the house but actually catching some of the energy in the house and... And then there's things like clutter, which is like a feng shui nightmare, and clanging doors, doors that can kind of hit each other. We've got a few of those. So a friend of mine came and helped with a little cure, and she tied a little nine-inch length of red twine onto the two handles to help to ease the clanging, to to bring a correction to that. And she also placed some wooden flutes in a place where the ceiling was a little low, part of the house where there was a low ceiling. And some people will put little shells over the drain covers and things to help slow the water from circulating down the drain. So it's kind of a fun thing. And Tony has a fascinating story. I wish he was here to share it with us about his sister was living in Hong Kong, and he said that there was actually a block of apartment buildings that was next to this mountain. And when they built the block of apartments, the Feng Shui consultant said that there was a dragon living in the mountain, and you couldn't block the 
the flight pattern of the dragon as he would take off from the mountain because, as you know, dragons in China are are very auspicious. And there's also the Bank of China right there. And he said that they built this block of apartments with an actual hole in it. There was a hole right through. You could see right through to the mountain um, so that the dragon would have a flight path. <laughs> so that was such a fascinating story. And it just shows how deep-reaching the idea behind Feng Shui is that, you know, people who are building modern structures going to tremendous expense to make sure to allow an energy movement pattern to work with the Earth's energies instead of blocking and, and not honoring the Earth's energies. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, it is. It is. And um, the next time we get together, I want to show you a hill nearby here that looks so much like a dragon. I've always felt like there's dragon energy there. And uh, the, the tail of it is so exacting that it makes me smile every time I see it. Uh, there is one of our very favorite people on the line that would like to say hello. Oh, great. Lovely. Let's hear from them. Your line is open. Hello. 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 Is this Einer? Einer in San Luis Obispo, yeah. Oh, Einer. <laughs> well, um, my, my story is a little bit less conspicuous than dragons and apartment buildings with holes in them. <laughs> but I used I love photographing flowers. Yeah. And I've done stuff for a long time. But I discovered some years ago that every time I tried to photograph a flower, a breeze came up, a wind came out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> and even if it was not on a windy day, so they moved. They, you know, they would be blurry. Oh yeah. Especially if I had a slow exposure. And uh, so I checked with my. Uh, wonderful spiritual mentor, uh, Jana Massey and her teachers. Yes. And they said, it is that you need to practice the power of command. Ah. You shall command the wind to stop. Ah. Well, I I felt a little bit intimidated by that. I, I hated to, you know, standing out in the street somewhere photographing a flower to put up my hand and yell at the wind, stop <laughs> so yeah. I, I didn't practice it a lot, but it, it certainly did work a few times. Wow, that and is also great. once when the when the when the creek was just about going over here, uh, I went out and yelled into the storm, you know, stop enough, and it did stop. But <laughs> I don't take credit <laughs> for that. But nevertheless, I in my better moments, I, I feel connected and yes. powerful on that level. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful, Einar. Thank you so much for those two beautiful stories. And we do need to practice our power of command. And it it doesn't have to be, you know, forceful. We can just, like the priestesses of Avalon of old, raise the arm up and then drop it down to part the mist. It can be as simple and silent as that. But we, we uh, definitely are practicing our power of command when we do something like that. So thank you so much for that beautiful reminder and for that lovely, lovely story. Yay, the power of command. <laughs> thank you, Einer. You may be getting another chance to practice that as we're getting lots of wind and rain. So you'll have to check in and let us know well, how it goes. <laughs> I, I, I won't even attempt to stop or try to attempt to stop this one. We need it. We do, we do. <laughs> That's right. That's let, right. It <laughs> let it rain. Okay. Thank you All so right. much for your...
you're staring. So do I have time to squeeze in just a little exercise for everyone, Cindy? Well, if you can do it quickly, because we have just four minutes left. Okay. Well, then what I'd like uh, to do... Go ahead and put up the next slide. Okay. That next slide is just um, uh, a little bit about love, and um, and I think I'll have to save the story that goes with that one for another time, but... But um, I'd like to just get a little exercise squeezed in. And so what I'd like for us to do is to just find our personal or our local power spot. And for me, when I was young, it was my horse's corral sitting on the hay. And some people, it's the beach. We have a beach where we go and visit my dad's spirit. And um, my medical intuitive healing room, of course, is a very big power spot for me. And Tony has often spoken of his peer at Avila. And so what I'd like us to do is just relax and get comfortable. And um, save this exercise for later, of course, if you're driving the car. (laughs) And then take a couple of easy breaths and close your eyes if you like. And then just think back. And this might be your birthplace. Perhaps it's a place from your childhood. Maybe it's someplace local that you visit now, either from your memory or something local. And then just take a moment and just ask, Maybe you might even see an inner map and let your eye find it, your inner eye find it. And let it be someplace nearby or else a place that you can easily access in your memory. And let it come to you. And trust the first thing that you get. And then go ahead and take a relaxed and easy breath and just let yourself remember what it is. You can journal about it later. And just know that we all have a power spot that's accessible to us. And thank you so much for enjoying the exercise with me. So I guess we better roll it up, huh? Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, I want to share with everybody that so we really appreciate you tuning in, whether you're with us live or listening to the replay. And again, we welcome you to stop by Josephine's website to tune into all the replays or if you're interested in looking for the active programs that are coming up, it's also on her webpage and it can be found at stepintomagic.com. Simply click on the top menu for the radio tab. If you have a question for us or would like to be included in the weekly newsletter, you can stop by the contact page of Josephine's website. And also, you can put your question in the webcast page for the next show, even a week ahead of time. Just knowing if the question's on your mind, drop it in the webcast page right away, and that way when you tune in, it's already there and you don't have to try to remember it. So, Josephine, do you have any parting words for our listeners today? Yes, I do, and thank you so very much for that, Cindy. And again, thank you so much for hosting our show tonight and next week. And Tony and I really, really appreciate it. We're so grateful. I'm honored. Yeah, and so um, I'd like to just finish up with a little poem, and this was probably, oh, you know, well, four to 7,000 years ago, the, 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 the divine deity included the feminine, and I think that, It's that deep feminine that we lack in our contemporary spirituality. And that's what really helps us to really 
embrace, so the feminine within, you know, the yin that's within all of us, because we all have yin and yang, but it's that feminine divinity that gives us an appreciation for the earth and for all the interconnectedness of all of life, and it's very fundamental to our survival, and and I feel like it's the lack of that that's at the heart of our environmental crises of the day. But there is an ancient prayer which dates back to summer, somewhere around 5000 to 2000 B.C., and I first heard it on a Canadian documentary from 1989 called The Goddess Remembered, which I highly recommend to anybody. And I'll just read this little poem to you because it's so beautiful. It's an ancient prayer to the Earth Mother Goddess. And when I think of this prayer, I think of that silvery hill which was shaped rather like a breast out in the middle of the field there. And it says, O lady, your breast is your field. Inanna, your breast is your field. Your broad field pours out plants. Your broad field pours out grain. Water flows from on high for your servant. Bread flows from on high for your servant. Pour it out for me, Inanna. I will drink all you offer. So our world is full of energy in a vast array of forms, and much of what we partake in every day, be it our food or our shelter, fire or wind or wave or solar energy, and the very fibers that make up our clothing, our lives are totally intertwined and interconnected with the energies of nature. And nature is our mother. She's the source from which all of our vital energy points, energy pours forth to us. And we have so much to be grateful for, and it's all because of our beautiful planet, this blue and green jewel spinning in a heaven full of galaxies and stars and lots of empty clear space. So in closing, I'd like to thank you all so very much for giving me the gift of your time. And I'd like to finish with this little blessing, which was a gift from my friend Jana. As our gifts are given in love, they are received in love. And we honor their wise use and their increase for all concerned. And so it is. And so it is. I love that blessing. Thank you so much, Josephine. It's been a pleasure to host you, and I thank everyone who's listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show on Ley Lines and Power Centers, Relating Energetically with Our Planet. This has been show number EFB-2.14. If you've enjoyed the show, we really hope that you'll tell your friends. These topics include developing psychic ability, deepening spirituality, and finding your own true purpose in life. Visit the Radio Archive page of Josephine's website, stepintomagic.com. You can also find her shows as podcasts on iTunes listed under Josephine Lang. Or to having all of you join next week when Josephine and I will be talking about tending to our physical energy, clearing and balancing our subtle bodies. Cindy and I wish you all insight, mm-hmm. wisdom, and magic as you pursue the journey of inner knowing. And I hold you all in light and in love. Thank you so much for listening. This is Josephine Lang. Until next week, good night. Good night. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) How fun.